Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. Good morning on this uh, little bit bleak, and uh, I guess it's going to be snowy. It's not hasn't started snowing here in Denver yet. I guess up in Fort Collins it did. I stayed down here last night in case the roads got bad. I wanted to make sure I was here. We do have an abbreviated show today. We're only going to go till 1030. There is a golf expo and then a um, Air Force lacrosse game that we're contracted with, but we'll be back to our full length next week. Going to cover a lot of ground today. Hey, if you've ever been interested in getting in a shooting league, shotguns or pistols, um, Colorado Clay is going to talk about that in the second hour. Nate Zelinski will get us updated on ice fishing conditions. We're going to take you around to a couple uh, state park areas and find out what's going there. But I want to get um, right to the phones right now because there's some things going on, uh, things that we, we dealt with last year and we have to deal with again this year, and we'll deal with them probably until we get some good legislative resolution. And that's funding for uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife and our ANS situation, our inspectors. And joining me to talk about those issues is the Director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife, Bob Broshide. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. And I, I, I kind of prefaced it that way because we're going to talk about a couple bills and neither one of them I don't think fully addresses what the needs of the outdoor public parks and wildlife are, but they're still necessary because we have to get something passed. Is that an unfair statement? No, it's true, Terry. I, I think it's, you know, it's always better. Something is better than nothing. And, um, and uh, you know, our goals from last year with the proposed, you know, license fee increases, um, although it didn't, as you know, didn't specifically identify dollar amounts, um, this year's does. And I think they're, they're fairly modest. And, you know, as you as you talk about raising license fees, you know, for our folks, we we do understand our people are hunters and anglers, and you know, we you try to find that that sweet spot of what is enough, what is too much, or what is not enough. And uh, you know, we we had to make a decision this year that you know something is better than nothing, and we'll just have to continue to work on on. I, on, the, on our current revenue sources, but what are those future ones look like? Now, I want to take these bills separately. Of course, I want to start with the funding bill. Um, last year, there was a pretty comprehensive funding bill. We we all felt, I think, that if that would have got through the legislature, you guys would have been a good in good position to serve the public and probably not have to cut more programs. Um, both of those could um, could be in jeopardy as, this time, but. There's a funding bill. I think the real issue right now, and I want you to tell us a little more about the bill, is that it kind of caught me by surprise because um, last year it was sponsored and brought to the legislature, and they didn't even act on it till the very end. Then it got killed in committee. Well, this year's bill is actually going back to that same committee on Tuesday. So can you kind of um, tell us, first of all, how can people find out more than we're going to be able to tell them this morning? about the bill, and then what can they do to make sure it gets out of committee on Tuesday, but then also give us maybe the fundamentals of this bill. Sure, absolutely, Terry. And, you know, last year, you know, we went, you know, our, our strategy and our approach was that the commission, the 11-member commission, you know, ha- is is appointed 
you know, by the governor and confirmed by the Senate, the legislature, to look out for the agency, basically. And, and part of that is the financial well-being. And, and our goal last year was to let that authority reside within the commission. And so the commission can raise, lower, make, uh, add in new licenses or get rid of old ones as the market sort of dictates and, and with the full engagement of all of our hunting and fishing and, and outdoor recreating public and, and do that through regulation versus doing, doing it through statute, which is where we are. All of our fees and licenses are set in statute and it requires a statute change. And so this year, what we, you know, and we were on your show a couple months ago, we talked about lessons learned. And one of those is, well, a lot of people felt uncomfortable with that, you know, in the legislature as well as our publics. And uh, this year we tried to look at going just right to the increase. What is it? And and basically, our, and anybody listening who wants to find out about the bill can go to our website, cpw.state.co.us, or you can go to the Colorado General Assembly website and pull it up. It's uh, Senate Bill 18-143, and you can look in there. This is a much more streamlined and a mo- much more modest approach to what what those increases are. And, and real briefly, what they are is basically most multi-day and annual resident hunting and fishing licenses will go up 8 bucks in 2019. Um, it increases single-day licenses by $4.00. It sets an annual fishing fee for seniors and 16 to 17-year-olds at $8. And you, as you know, the seniors are free right now. It also allows us to charge 10 bucks for an application fee for residents and 20 for non-residents. And then there's some other miscellaneous uh, small increases like our wildlife management education fund goes up a buck 50. The waterfall stamp goes up 10 bucks. Um, those kind of things. And the other difference that that in this year's bill is that we have clear goals lined out of what we're trying to achieve here from recruitment and retention access and improving and increasing access. Uh, where's our next recreation area is going to be, for example, on the, on the park side, where's our next state park going to come from? Um, we've got dam maintenance that we're trying to tackle hatchery maintenance. I mean, these are the issues are still there. The demand is still there for this money, but this is the approach. So, so as this bill was being drafted, it's a lot earlier this year. Uh, we, we had a feeling that last year when it failed that we would rerun the bill, but we would also make some significant tweaks. And this year, uh, on Tuesday afternoon, this will be heard in the Senate finance committee. So, you know, like I've always said is, is, you know, I, I will tell you to support it or not support it. I think, you know, make up your own minds, look at it, and then let the legislature, they love to hear from their publics on what, what they should do or how you feel about it as a consumer and make your voice known. Really is just get engaged. And, and that's the, the best advice I think I can give anybody listening out there. Now, one of the reasons that this money is needed, first of all, there hasn't been, I think it's 2005 was the last increase. And right. You, and, but costs have gone up since then. I mean, gas is higher, vehicle maintenance is higher, wages are higher. And then, you know, the cost of just doing work in the field is higher. So expenses have grown along with that because there wasn't enough cash as we went through the last years. 
other projects have been kicked down the road, like you mentioned the dams. Uh, we've got a lot of dams, especially with the new federal regulations, that have to be either repaired or those bodies of water might end up being drained. So I think nobody nobody loves to pay more. Nobody's going to say, hey, why don't you just raise my fees? But I think we're, we're in that rock and a hard place where if we don't raise the fees, we're going to lose access anyway. And so if we want to maintain, and we've got so many more people moving to Colorado, if we want to maintain the tremendous outdoor resources we have, we're going to need more funding or we're going to see cuts, I'm sure, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's Yeah, 2005 was the last time we raised uh, any hunting and fishing licenses. And, and like I said, anybody with a business out there, a, a, a private business, understands that costs are going up gasoline and and just consumer price index the erosion of that dollar and and costs have gone up what what you charge for a service has gone up i mean this is this isn't anything that's just uh uh unique to colorado parks and wildlife and you know there's like i said before we've got two options i mean we can cut spending or increase revenue or or both and in this case is what we're trying to do both and you know, since since 20, 2009, I mean, forty million dollars has been eliminated from our budget, and everybody knows those programs that we used to do and that we're not doing anymore. And our our approach, in me as the as the CEO essentially of this agency, is needs to look at where are we going to be in the next five to ten years. And I'll tell you, Terry, the the, the revenue coming in, we are not going to be able to sustain what we're doing right now. And it's going to cause some tough decisions down the road. Unfortunately, that affects our customer base. And whether it's access or getting out to to recreate on the waterways or our state parks, some of those services just won't be there anymore. Well, I think I, I'm on your side of the ledger when you say people need to make up their own minds because it's going to affect. By the way, we lose resources and access. That affects not only hunters and fishermen, but trail users and wildlife watchers. It affects the public in general. So people need to be aware. I think because this came up so quickly, um, make try to take some time this weekend. Become aware of what's in this bill. Make up your mind. Remember that with no money increases, services will get decreased. But this is, at most is a stopgap measure, but we really need something. But then before this committee meets on Tuesday, you can go down. I believe they can attend hearings at the committee mm-hmm. meetings. Is that right? You know, if, you're, right. If, if you feel as strongly as we do, go attend the, the committee meetings. At the very least, put an email or a call into your representative or your senator and tell them at the, at the state level that how important this bill is, whichever way you believe, because we need to take some action. Uh, we need to get this through committee. Once it gets out of committee, it's going to be up for the it could be amended more than we know but it never gets a chance if it doesn't get through committee bob that's correct and it that's died in, and it died in a committee last year so i want people to, if you're listening to this do a little bit of research in the next, next couple of days and make sure that there's some it, they do listen when enough people call and email them so let's let's act on this we've got a few minutes left not too many but i want to move on to another subject and it's really <clears throat> kind of similar in the fact that um, we lost the funding what was being used for the ANS inspections for boaters in Colorado, I think, what, about a year and a half ago because of a court uh, proceeding that took away some of the excise money from the oil drilling. So new funding had to be found. And if I'm not mistaken, that program took about $5 million 
when it was being maintained at its full level, or at least at the, the level that it could be maintained, there's a bill in the legislature to help fund the ANS. But once again, it's not going to fund the entire amount. There's going to have to be other revenue sources. But if we don't do anything, we could start losing access rapidly. Tell us about that bill. Yeah, you bet, Terry. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, last year uh, as well, going with our overall fee, uh, license fee increase bill in there was a component uh, to address one of our, our state parks as, as our continuing ability to um, uh, generate revenue on the state parks. But the third component of that was to identify a, a, a much more um, uh, let or less volatile funding source for our aquatic invasive species program. Um, you guys know, and I know your listeners know very full well what that what that is and why we do it. Well, the the the, the, the original a couple years ago and even currently right now is was funded by severance taxes. This is the severance tax that's assessed on oil and gas extraction in the state, and like you said, that court case and declining revenue and and production of oil and gas you know it's been in a lull lately um has has decreased revenue coming into that fund so it's essentially our funding source has dried up and this has been a real concern of the legislature that we continue to maintain this program well, well now the question is how do we fund it and there's a uh, there's a bill that's going through the legislature right now that we worked really closely with the legislature on. It's called the uh, Muscle Free Colorado Act, and it has uh, is moving its way through, I believe, the House side of the of the legislature. And essentially, what that does, it's going to provide about two two and a half million dollars for the program um, that requires voters to to uh, purchase an ANS stamp. And the, essentially, the guts of this is is that Colorado residents votes will be charged 25 bucks for this stamp annually. And then non-residents will be charged $50 uh, annually to, to be legal and to enter onto the, the, uh, the reservoirs and lakes that we have open for public access. And so you can, you can do the math real quickly. That's only about half of what we're operating that program at right now. And so our goal is, well, the, the legislature at the same time is trying to deal with the severance tax issue. Um, it's not just us that receives money from severance tax or several agencies and programs. And so we're hoping and hopeful that uh, between the legislature uh, and the governors that they're working on and they're going to have a solution for shoring up uh, that remaining um, deficit between those programs of, of what we've been getting with severance tax and we're hoping we can chink away about half of that, uh, half of that uh, um, bill, I guess, from what we would get from severance tax. And so, you know, our program's running about $5 million right now. It covers everything from inspection stations, decontaminations, um, research, surveying, you know, all of those things to make sure, and as well as education being probably the number one. But uh, it's, forced, it's going to cause us to look at, uh, how we can manage this program a little bit more beneficial for our in-state residents and how they can move boats around without being over-hassled with being putting their boats in these lakes. And so we're, we're really racking our brains on this one, Terry, to try to figure out how, how we can really address the greatest threats to Colorado's uh, waterways and preventing mussel infestation. So um, we're, we're all ears if people have some great ideas. 
Well, we're, we're out of time, but I want to steal a couple more minutes because I want to make sure people understand that, the, first of all, the, it's the water providers that have to be totally satisfied because they're not going to take a chance on something happened to their infrastructure. We've had lakes around the country that have been shut down by water providers because they won't let boats on out of fear. So the program has to satisfy them first and foremost. And if we don't have enough money, they're going to start <clears throat> restricting access to water. We'll lose access, and we don't have that much surface water that we can afford to lose access. So people need to take a hard look and understand this. What's the status of this bill right now? I believe this bill has made it through the House um, Ag Committee. Um, I was trying to find where, where it was on this, and my Internet's not working well this morning. But I, think, I believe it's made it through the House um, Agriculture and Natural Resources Committee. And then uh, where it goes on from here, I'm not sure. But if, if you go to the Colorado General Assembly website, you can search this bill and this bit and the number of this bill, and it will it will tell you where it is in that process and then where it's going to go. Um, and I can try to find uh, I, if I can get that, Terry. I'll shoot that to you because I know you could tweet that out if you. Right, absolutely. So get us that. And I think it's just um, we just need to be so aware of what's going on with our funding for outdoor activities, especially with the influx of people going to the state. Bob, we could have spent easily an hour. We threw this on the schedule at the last minute because I wanted to make sure we at least got people's aware. Hopefully they're uh, somewhere where they're listening today. If you're if you are an outdoor enthusiast, if you're a boater, get a hold of your friends and make sure that they know that they better look into all these things. And we need to make our voices known very, very quickly, whichever way we stand, or we could start losing resources. Um, uh, Bob, I'm really out of time. We're pushing things. I wish we had more time to go with it. One quick last comment. Uh, Terry, that is House Bill, uh, the ANS Bill, House Bill 18-1008, and it has not been calendared yet. So it's just starting in the process. So. Anyway, we've got time, I think, for, for people to, to review the bill and make some comments. So, as always, I appreciate it. Hey, and congratulations on that 20 years, man. That's a, that's a really great thing, Terry. We all love you. Well, you know, when you get old, if you hang around long enough, people say you must have done something right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you deserve it. You're doing a great job, Terry. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. That's Bob Broshai, Director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife. We've got a lot of issues ahead of us. we also got a lot of programming. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company, Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. I want to go right to the phone so we can make sure we give this... Uh, this lady the proper amount of time. Joining us from the Elkhead Reservoir and Yampa State River area is Kelly Lewis. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. You know, it's been a really strange winter, Kelly. And okay. we've got warm and then it gets cold. It gets warm, cold. We haven't had the normal amount of snow. And some of it that falls is heavier and icier than others. And then some of it melts. And I think people get a little complacent especially when they're out in the backcountry, about avalanche danger when we have a winter like this? Absolutely. Um, we've had very mild winters so far, but avalanches are still an issue. Just yesterday, we saw a skier trigger one at Arapahoe Basin, and the day before, snowboarder triggered one at Vail Pass. Um, though we have had such a mild winter, it could come back with vengeance. We might see 
a heavy amount of snow on the late end of the winter, and we need to be heavily prepared for whatever condition we see here. Well, in fact, the weather we have had creates these unstable layers, so if we get some snow, it could be even more dangerous than ever. Is that right? Absolutely. We would be looking at slab avalanches that could scrape all the way to the surface where the rocks are, and the consistency of that snow, Terry, is not the light champagne powder that we pride ourselves on here in Colorado. It would be more of a concrete at that point. Why don't you take us through first how to be aware of avalanche danger and then how you should prepare yourself. Let's take uh, a first of what, how do you know if you're going to avalanche country? What do you look for when you're out there? Tell us the awareness part of it. Awesome. So the very first thing we're going to think about when we're thinking about going to the backcountry in the very morning um, is to get your local avalanche forecast. So anywhere online you can access the Colorado Avalanche Information Center, and it's on our state website. Um, it is broken up into regions in which people generally recreate, and then the deliberate dangers are listed uh, per region. So here, for example, today we have moderate listed uh, avalanche danger here in the Steamboat Flat Tops area, but it's also saying that heightened avalanche conditions on specific terrain features can occur and to evaluate snow carefully. Particularly wind loading is what we're looking at here. Um, so again, get that, get the forecast, get the gear. Gear is very important. A lot of people might overlook this, especially on a day that looks sunny and we haven't had a lot of recent snow. Gear Three essentials. We're looking at a transceiver, a probe, and a shovel. And it's very important to use these before going into that country. Practice with your instruments so that if you were very nervous and having to react in an emergency situation, you would be concise and able to react um, wisely. Well, um, the transceiver, in fact, um, if you almost have to be in pairs because they don't have unlimited range. That's right. So what, um, so what kind of range do they have, and should, we should be in pairs going in the backcountry anyway. Absolutely. We definitely advocate a buddy system. That's probably one of the most important things you could have with you going into the backcountry as a friend. So the transceivers really do vary. The ones that have been made most recently are capable of identifying multiple burial victims, while some older transceivers can really just pick up one signal at a time. So that's when it's really important to practice with your instrument, know how old it is, understand the flux lines of the transceiver and the fact that it's not operating on a flat plane, but rather on a certain like figure eight curvature. So again, only practicing with the instrument would one be able to acquaint themselves with that. Um, Another thing to have with you if you have the ability to obtain one is a float pack. These are really cool pieces of technology, Terry. They inflate almost like an airbag and can really help to keep an uh, avalanche victim above the snow. Um, so one of the leading causes of, unfortunately, killing people in an avalanche is, is the impact. That could help avoid such a problem if you were to uh, trigger an avalanche. Now, you talked about wind loading earlier. I want to touch on that again. <clears throat> Is that easy, easy to uh, visually identify? That's a very good question. Sometimes it is, Terry, and sometimes it's not. So five visual signs that you're going to be looking for, they're called the five red flags. One of them is wind loading. So cornices and pillows um, are ways that you could see the wind loading. Sometimes you can't really see it very well unless you can dig down, dig a pit maybe, even see how deep that snow is in one area compared to another. 
Um, so wind slabs being created is a sign. Rapid temperature rise is one that we really need to be conscious of this year particularly. That's one of the red flags. A whooping sound when you're walking. Um, so you might be walking with snowshoes and notice that you drop a little bit and there's a sound that the snow makes that's a sign of a weak layer. That's one of those, the third of the red flags. Fourth is new snow. 90% of human-triggered avalanches occur within 24 hours or during a storm. And the last is recent avalanche activity. Now, is there information on Parks and Wildlife's website on avalanche? Not necessarily, but the state uh, that the state of Colorado has a specific website. It's called caic.co.us. Um, .state.co.us. Um, CAIC standing for Colorado Avalanche Information Center, and that would be your most reliable source. Parks and Wildlife, if you stop into one of our offices, we may be able to give you recent conditions in our region, but it's really every person's responsibility to take their own safety into consideration and get their local forecast every time before they go out into the backcountry. And then when we talk about safety, folks, we want you to go out there. We just want to make sure you do it safely and without tragedy. I have one more quick subject because we did run kind of out of time. The director Absolutely. had some important things. But I know you're in the Elkhead Reservoir area next year. Next, um, and next segment, we're going to actually talk more about Yampa and Elkhead. But yeah. Elkhead's a, uh, a um, ice fishing destination, too. With this warm off and on weather, how have the conditions held up on the reservoir for fishing? So fishing, um, again, we want people to use caution, but that being said, it is, we've seen a, quite a few ice fishermen out recently. Um, the ice does vary daily based on the temperatures, the thickness. We're seeing anything from 8 to 20 inches at the northeast axis. So, again, use caution where you're going out. Um, good thing to just try to see where people have been going in snow machines and whatnot, but... But it sounds like there's, you know, we never say there's safe ice, but there's exactly. reasonable ice fishing conditions out there. So people could drive up and probably take advantage of it. And then the last comment, the trails around Elkhead probably don't have a lot of snow. Are people hiking or snowshoeing or what are they doing? Yes, it is a great time to go snowshoeing around Elkhead, hiking, um, all kinds of exploration. We have about 10 miles of trails out there. Not a lot of people, so it is, in a way, a hidden gem out at Elkhead. Um, we are located, if anybody hasn't been to Elkhead or seen a map of where this is, we're between the towns of Hayden and Craig, which is just over 30 miles west of Steamboat Springs in northwest Colorado. All right, Kelly, we've got to run, but thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. You have a great day. You bet. Let's go right back to the phones and patiently waiting. At least I hope patiently waiting. One of our favorite contributors. We have Ray from Adventure Camper. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Terry. Thank you for having me on again. Well, you know, it's it's a time of the year, you know, we're going to talk obviously about the fact that you're you can get great deals on campers right now because it's that little bit of that off season, but I'm starting to think we're having less and less of an off season in Colorado, right? People just don't stay indoors anymore. They're getting out year round. Yeah, no, you know, after the calendar hits to January 1st, uh people are out shopping for campers. We've been busy so far this year, which we're grateful for, of course, and uh, right now, it's, it, it, we, it's the best inventory we've had all year. It's uh, early in the season yet, so we haven't sold through a lot of the inventory. And we've got the early season incentive prices from the manufacturers to give to folks. So it's a great time to get out and look for a camper if you're in the market. And, you know, you don't have to wait to use it. Most of them are equips. You can take them right out in the winter. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, 
you still got to be careful about, you know, water in them and freeze damage, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, they've gotten better with that. And, you know, a day like this makes you look forward to going camping. That's that's the truth. Oh, I tell you what, as we get a little more into the spring, I'm going to have you come on and just give some tips on getting ready, whether you're buying a new camper or or rigging up your existing one, because I think we want to make sure folks get out there and really have a good time. How do they find you, Ray? Uh, we're located at adventurecamper.com on the web. You can see all of our inventory uh, posted there. And if you're driving by and want to get out of the house today and come look at a camper, we're near the intersection of Arapahoe Road and Jordan Road, 14051 East Davies Avenue. All right, my friend, we will talk to you next week. Thank you, Terry. You bet. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to take you back up to the Yampa River Elkhead Reservoir area and talk not only about activities now, but what it looks like is going to be a tremendous spring. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Fish Company, Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire, and here to tell us even a little more about it is Skylar Mason from Honey Smoke. Good morning, Skylar. Good morning, Terry. You know, I've known your dad for, I think, going on a decade now, and Karen and I went out and did a tour of the facility again to remind us that you guys just don't take any shortcuts out there. We uh, It was really a pleasure to really get to spend a little more time with you and your brother. you got to be so proud that the, a family from Colorado has developed this incredible product, and you guys just don't skip anything or take any shortcuts in making it do you nope that's right we take it to the highest extreme we uh wanted definitely wanted to bring you into our facility and show you that um there's so much that goes into creating honey smoked salmon and we never take any shortcuts and creating the best product out there well and it shows up in the product it's in my refrigerator right now it's always in my refrigerator it's a superfood it's tremendous uh, it's just one of the. It's just one of my favorite. You can use it in so many ways. I put it in spreads. I eat it right out of the package. What's your favorite way to eat it? My favorite way is putting it in a salad, whether it's a pre-made salad or a beautiful salad you guys toss up at home. Um, it's quick, easy, simple, and um, I would recommend with the dressing, take a little bit because of how rich in omega threes the smoked salmon is. Take a little, about half an ounce. Mix it in the dressing, blend so well, stir it up so every bite you have that rich and power honey smoked salmon taste that just flavors any dish. That sounds wonderful. Where can people find it? Finding Costco, Sam's Club, King Supers, Sprouts, Safeway, and now Walmart in Colorado. All right. Skylar, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. You bet. Skylar Mason from Honey Smoke. Let's go right to the phones because this gentleman has been pushed back and waiting, and we want to talk about his park area, and that's uh, Mark Lehman from uh, both the Yampa River and Elkhead. And, Mark, we ended up getting behind because you're boss. I didn't think you'd complain too much. Nope. I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> too much of a hard time about it this time. But, Terry, I don't know what it is. Every time I, I listen to your show, I end up craving honey smoked salmon. <laughs> I must be doing something right. I tell you what, that isn't that good stuff. It, it is indeed. It is. But, that, uh, otherwise, you know, we're, we're just living the dream up here in the mountains in northwest Colorado. Why don't you tell people where Yampa River Park is located? So the Yampa River State Park headquarters and our, our campground is um, located about half an hour west of Steamboat Springs. Um, in addition to that, you know, we... We manage about oh, eight or so river sites along a 130-mile stretch of the Yampa River, um, heading out west towards uh, Dinosaur National Monument. 
Now, normally, this time of the year, you'd have a lot of heavy snow activity and a lot of activities. Now, there are some winter activities going on. We'll get to those, but conditions are a little different this year. Yeah, it's actually snowing this morning, but that, that white stuff has kind of been holding out on us this winter. Um, but, yeah, we, we have an ice rink. Uh, we offer free loaner skates for that. We have about a, a mile-long groomed trail that kind of goes around the headquarters and through the campground out here. And we have some free loaner snowshoes for that. But, like you said, conditions have just been kind of hit or miss this winter. So uh, call ahead, certainly, and, and kind of confirm how that trail's looking and how that rink's doing. But, you know, winter can kind of come back with a vengeance, at, you know, at the turn of a, at the turn of a hat. So, but you know. And we're not that far away from really spring kicking off, especially this year. Oh, I know. It sure feels like that. But like I said, I'm still holding out hope that that winter hangs on a little bit longer, especially to, to recharge that river. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're certainly looking, looking towards spring. And, you know, when spring does come, you guys just have a wealth of activities there. Let's, let's tell people, you know, if, um, when do your campgrounds open? So, you know, we open to camping. Oh, it's kind of when the snow melts and opens the campground so i'm looking at probably sometime in april uh, but we're looking at reservations in mid-may right and and it becomes popular and that reservation system is really the way to go isn't it it is yeah you can make a reservation up to six months in advance and you know as popular as colorado's getting you almost have to do that if you want to especially if you want to hit those busy holiday weekends but you know, if you come up during the week you know we usually have some availability for you now, let's talk, you mentioned recharging the river. Now, obviously, we're not clairvoyant. We don't know how much snow is going to be there before, um, before it starts to melt. But uh, the amp is becoming more and more popular for floating, and that might not be an extended season if we don't get more snow this year. Well, People right. might need to get there early. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Start planning those trips now and, and making that happen because it's a relatively short season as it is. And if, uh, if it's a light winter, it's just going to shorten that season up. Now, the fishing, though, goes, well, there's parts of the Ampa that you can fish year-round. You go all the way up to Stagecoach where that is, but you guys are further west than that. Um, but you get when, when does the fishing really start to take off there, and what kind of fishing can people expect? Well, I'm not here to promote Stagecoach. They can do that themselves. But, uh, <laughs> but no, they're, they're fishing great out of the tailwaters for much of the year. Um, but otherwise, you know, once the kind of the spring runoff starts to subside a little bit through like Steamboat Springs, um, fishing will really pick up. Uh, and that's where a lot of the really good fishing is from, from you know, the headwaters of the Yampa um, up around the flat tops uh, through Stagecoach and Lake Catamount through the town of Steamboat and out, to, out toward Hayden. That's kind of the prime area for fishing. Now, in your area, do you still get some warm water species in the river, too? We do. Um, you know, we really try to promote the trout fishing, but you will find uh, some pike and some, some of those bass species, especially as you head out west towards, uh, towards Utah. You'll find some, some pretty good um, smallmouth populations. Now, um, when does the fishing in the park area really start to, when, what, what time of the year can you look for it to really start to take off? Um, I'd say here coming up in, in April and May, um, you know, things will, it's a, it's designated flat water through here. So it's not so turbulent that you can't, um, you know, get a fly in there. And, uh, you know, April, May is a good time to start looking at fish in the river out where we're at. All right. So, um, and I'm sure there's lots of updates and conditions on your website, right? Absolutely. 
All right. Well, Mark, thank you so much. It's a great area. I, I want to come up and float fish that area. Up well, in- come up and see us. We're, we'd actually, we're working on programs. We'd like to get more people on the river. It's an amazing resource. It's underutilized as far as we see it, and we want to kind of open that up to the people of Colorado. When I've been lax, I've been talking about it to you and some of the other guys up there for a few years. I've just got to make it happen. Hey, you, you let us know when you get up here, and we'll, we'll give you the VIP tour. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Terry. You bet, Mark Lehman. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. I want to go quickly to the phones. And joining us from the um, Grand Lake area, we have uh, Casey Burrs. Good morning, Casey. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? We're, we're doing great because uh, you're going to tell us about an ice fishing tournament, which a lot of ice fishing tournaments have struggled this year, but it sounds like you got good conditions and a lot of opportunity, and it's for a great cause. And it's going to be held on Williams Fork Reservoir. Is that right? That's right. I'm in the Kremlin area. The, the tournament is the third annual Warrior Scramble, and it's partnered um, with Denver Water and Jubilee events. It's a catch-and-release ice fishing tournament. It's a one-day tournament on Williams Fork on Saturday, February 24th. Now, before we get into more details on the tournament, um, tell people about the cause. This is for a great cause. You always have a great cause, this tournament. What's the cause this year? The cause, the beneficiary of this tournament is Pets for Vets. Pets for Vets uh, is a national nonprofit organization that places um, companion animals with veterans. And the nice thing about this is we're not only helping the veterans, but we're also helping the animals because Pets for Vets pulls them out of humane society and cleans them up and trains them and places them with um, the appropriate veteran that, that needs that companion. I think the use of animals for therapy and comfort um, has become so recognized in our society. And I think it's something we've all kind of known for years if we've had a pet when we were younger or a, that becomes almost like a family member. Um, and they do really can bring you just comfort and, and distraction from stress. And it's such a great, great cause. And then to benefit the people who are sacrificing for us, you know, putting their lives on the line so that we can be free to enjoy the outdoors here and have all the things we do. Such a tremendous, tremendous cause. So hopefully people will support that. But tell us about the tournament now. You got a, um, a few special things in it, including you got a, it's a multi-species tournament, but you have a uh, category for that you can get $1,000 for one fish. Is that right? That's right. It is a multi-species tournament. Um, Williams Fork, as you know, is a pike, a northern pike lake. And Parks and Wildlife is keeping it that way. So we figured, Jubilee Events figured, this would be a really great way to get people up to Williams Fork. We have one $1,000 cash prize for the longest northern pike out of the slot. Now, and that's $1,000 for the longest northern pike that's not in the slot. And there is a slot there because they're protecting the growth of these pike. Now, you mentioned this is a catch-and-release tournament. We should tell people the judges will be out on the ice in snowmobiles, and you'll, you'll wave a flag to the judges, and they'll come and measure the fish right at the hole. And people for the ice fishing can bring their snowmobiles too, can't they? That's right. Denver Water is allowing snowmobiles on the ice the day of the tournament only. 
So it helps those guys get into the shelf area in the center of the lake if they're looking for those big fish. Now, real quickly, because we're going to run out of time, um, you did you do have vets that make some teams, and they tell the people the number of inches of fish last year's vet team caught that won. Last year, we, we had an armed forces contest where four men, four women teams can get together from their military branch and fish for the longest collective length of fish. Last year, the Chad Wolf team had 697 inches of fish in their group, and they walked away with a, a traveling trophy and some bragging rights for their team. That's awesome. So we're out of time, but tell people where they can find more information about this tournament. They can go to jubileenonprofit.events and um, find more information there, or they can call me at 970-389-0818. AC, thank you so much. It sounds like a great event benefiting a lot of people, and that's two weeks from today, right? That is February 24th, starting at 7 at the East Boat Ramp at Williams Fork. All right. Thank you so much, Casey. Thanks for the time, Terry. You bet. Thank you. I'll tell you what, great, great event, uh, just benefiting some really great people. I want to take a minute to do a little bit of housekeeping here, too, and let you know, first of all, you need to follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Karen will post this weekend how we're going to handle our 20 years of trivia. Our 20 years of trivia is Karen's going to start putting moments from our events from our 20 years on the radio in little trivia quips on the Facebook page. Once a month, we'll figure out a way to have you call or text or something if you to answer a trivia question that will come from those posts. And the one who gets that right monthly is going to get a honey a package for, delivered right to their house of Honey Smoked Fish Company's smoked salmon with a value including shipping of about $99. That says this is a great price. We're going to do one a month. But the answers to the trivia are going to come off the Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, which you should follow anyway because, you know, you've You'd get a link to my last article in the Denver Post if you had read that. You would, um, you'd see postings of the fishing report. If I get out on the water, you'll see updates from me personally. And just a lot of what's going to be going on in the show. You would have known the director was with us this morning if you followed us on Facebook. That's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Also, we do have a short show today. We're only going till 1030 because of um, the Golf Expo and an Air Force game. But we'll be back to our full-length show next week. And I also want to mention that next week I'm going to be in Napa Valley tasting some wine, and uh, Brad Peterson's going to fill in while I'm gone on assignment. So he'll be here doing the show next week. So you want to tune in and support Brad. And last but not least, I mentioned earlier that I stayed here in the metro area last night um, because we were worried about the road conditions coming down from Fort Collins. And we went over to Del Frisco's, and this is an unpaid endorsement. I'm not getting anything for this. We bought dinner last night. Um, we just had a great time. We had the hors d'oeuvres and ordered wine off the wine list at Del Frisco's. And what an amazing time. I want to say thanks to them for great service and great food. We'll take a quick time out. When we get back, Nate Zielinski will join us. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer.